What must the Seahawks do to move to 2-0 and beat the 49ers in Santa Clara on Sunday? We're going to be breaking it all down on our latest Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me for this special Saturday pregame episode, my co-host Dallas Cooper. Thanks as always all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've got the first place Seahawks, 1-0, the only 1-0 team in the division, heading on the road for the first time on Sunday, taking on their bitter rival, the 49ers at Levi Stadium. We're going to Put all the hay in the barn today, wrap up our analysis, devising a game plan, naming our X factors, and dishing out some predictions. Jam-packed episode coming your way. Let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's still very early in the season, so not surprisingly, the Seahawks and 49ers, for the most part, have pretty clean bills of health heading into this NFC West opener. Dallas, obviously Seattle had the one big injury to Jamal Adams ending up on injured reserve this week. Everybody expected that. Nobody was anticipating that he was going to still be on the 53-man roster heading into this game. So that's obviously the bad news. But the Seahawks are going to have a couple key players on offense making their 2020 debuts. Ken Walker the third, and Damian Lewis, their starting left guard. That may be especially important in this game against a very talented San Francisco 49ers defensive line. Damian, Lu- Damian Lewis was the guy I thought is going to have a big season. So him coming back for sure is going to be big for the Seahawks, especially with Javon Kinlaw and Armstead in the middle of that 49ers front seven. It's going to be huge. They need to climb up to the second level, help with the run game. And I think Lewis is going to be big on that. Harris coming back, the interior pass rush the first game was great. And Harris had a lot to do with that. And Harris came up big, especially in the fourth quarter. He had a lot of big plays to come up with. And then, that's not even to mention, we have Ken Walker also coming back. Ken Walker, let's not forget, rushed for over 1,600 yards on 263 attempts and over 6.3 yards per carry. He almost won the Heisman in college. That's insane from a running back. This is huge for the Seahawks going into this game. Yeah, getting Ken Walker the third out there, everybody's been chomping at the bit. Fans, I mean, we've seen it from our listeners posting, is Ken Walker the third healthy? Is he going to play this weekend? Fans are excited to see. People can devalue running backs, but they still excite fans, particularly your fantasy football fans out there. So Ken Walker the third being back, you have another explosive option to team up with Rashad Penny. He is expected to play, did not have an injury designation. Neither did Damian Lewis, missed the opener. I'm still amazed that he's playing this quickly after how bad that ankle injury looked in the second preseason game against Chicago Bears. I thought his season was over the way that looked, but he's back. He's going to probably start in this game. Pete Carroll was not definitive on that on Friday, but I would be surprised if he's not starting at left guard. Get him back out there against a very good 49ers defensive line. Really no surprise as far as guys that received injury designations. Joey Blunt, injured his hamstring during practice this week. Probably not going to be playing anything but special teams, so unlikely for him to play. Artie Burns, 
return to practice on Friday. Pete Carroll said unlikely that he's going to be able to make it back this week to play, but maybe next week he can go. So I wouldn't expect to see him active in this game. Coleman is really the one that's the wild card here. Kobe Bryant would get all the slot snaps if Coleman is not able to play in this game dealing with a calf injury. I think the biggest injury news going into this game, though, is not on Seattle's side of the coin. It's for the 49ers who have a very short injury list, Dallas, but there's a very key player there that is still listed as questionable. George Kittle, the former all-pro tight end, in my opinion, still one of the two or three best tight ends in the NFL. He can do it all. Run block, catch, create after the catch, score a bunch of touchdowns, plays a mean physical brand of football. He practiced on Friday in limited fashion, but did not practice the rest of the week. He sat out last week, and there is a chance that it is going to be rainy, just like it was in Chicago. Maybe not the monsoon-type thing in Santa Clara, but it is going to be rainy. And if that plays into the 49ers' decision here, they may hold George Kittle out one more week, but they are playing the Seahawks. It is a critical NFC West matchup. And so really, that is the biggest injury to watch here. And if you're the Seahawks, Pete Carroll's been talking about it all week, you're going into this game expecting that George Kittle's going to play because he's one of the toughest in the business. Hard to envision him wanting to miss an NFC West game. And without Jamal Adams, it really creates an advantage for Kyle Shanahan's offense when you have a tight end that's that kind of a weapon and you don't have that unicorn on defense that Jamal Adams provides the Seahawks. Definitely. This is going to be a test for the Seahawks if Kittle plays. And like you said, you have to game plan Kittle playing. He's so dynamic with the ball in his hand. He's dynamic even blocking. He changes the whole run schemes that they can run. They have a whole extra calls that they can run in their playbook just because they have George Kittle able to block a defensive end one-on-one. That's not normal. So George Kittle is a huge factor whether or not he plays. If he's out, then the Seahawks could roll their coverages a lot more to their wide receivers, focus more a lot on Trey Lance, maybe QB running. So it's a lot more things that they can focus on instead of having to focus on a dynamic weapon like Kittle. Him being out really does change the complexion of this offense. Not that they're going to be running different schemes necessarily, but he provides so much flexibility. I'm sure we'll be getting into this in the next portion of our show when we start devising a Seahawks game plan for victory, but He just creates matchup issues for opposing defenses because he is the complete package, and he blocks like a tackle playing the tight end. You can't put him one-on-one against defensive ends. Then he'll turn right around and run down the seam and beat your safeties or your linebackers for a big play. Had two touchdowns against the Seahawks in their second matchup last year. Seattle won both games, but Kittle has been a force to reckon with. It's had a lot of success against Seattle's defense, and that was with Jamal Adams on the field for most of those two games. He did tear the labrum in his shoulder in the second matchup midway through, ironically, when he was tackling George Kittle on a receiving play. So they're not going to have him out there. They're going to have Josh Jones, Ryan Neal getting some reps as well. They have some flexibility and some depth at safety. But without Jamal Adams, who's had some success working against George Kittle in the past, was one of the big reasons they traded for him to begin with. There's no question on either one of the injury reports, especially with Seattle already knowing they're going to have Walker, Harris, and Lewis back, that George Kittle is clearly the big wild card on either team in terms of injuries that really could sway who ends up winning this game. Is going to create matchup nightmares for Seattle if he plays. If not, makes life a lot tougher for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers offense to try to put points on the board against the Seahawks. It's a perfect segue to 
our game plan segment coming up next. Dallas, you and I are going to comb through a number of things the Seahawks need to do on offense and defense to be able to go on the road to Santa Clara, continue their dominance against the 49ers, a team, again, they swept a year ago. They've won the majority of these matchups in the last five or six years. They're going to look to continue that dominance, but what do they have to do to accomplish that? We'll be looking at some game plan tips coming up next here on our Saturday edition of Locked on Seahawks. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it. From a community of local hosts, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. You're listening to the Saturday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Dallas Cooper. Thanks to the 12s, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks sitting at 1-0, first place by themselves in the NFC West very early in the season. We'll be looking to maintain their momentum after beating the Broncos on Monday Night Football, hitting the road for the first time this year, their NFC West opener, a very familiar foe, the San Francisco 49ers. And as much as this has been a rivalry over the years, it's been a very one-sided rivalry. The Seahawks have won the vast majority of the games in this series since Kyle Shanahan became the head coach. Seattle has dominated. They won both games last year, even with only winning seven games. Two of those victories came against the 49ers. They have historically played well against them. But Dallas, as we know, that Every weekend, it doesn't matter what you did last year. It doesn't matter what you did two years ago. You need to bring your A game in this series to win. This is a very talented 49ers team that is going to be angry after losing in Chicago last week in a game. They were up 10, nothing in the third quarter and ended up losing. So Seattle is going to have to really bring it this weekend to get a pivotal road victory and stay atop the NFC West in week two. Let's get to the game plan. What the Seahawks need to do to win this week two NFC West matchup and let's start on the offensive side of the ball for the Seahawks. And Dallas, we saw a lot of three tight end sets, and you and I were talking about it before the show. This feels like a matchup where that may continue against the 49ers. Definitely. I expect to see more three tight end sets this week, especially with the front spacing on how the 49ers like to play their front four. They love using wide nine, and three tight ends creates the extra gap. And what do we know? The C gap is wide open in a wide nine front. And just with those extra gaps, you're pulling a corner down into the run fit. A corner, as we all know, is not nearly as strong as a run defender, as a linebacker, or even a safety. It's a different game for those corners. So pulling them down will really test them. And I think Penny, Walker, they will have a big game. And like we said earlier, I think the interior offensive line is definitely going to be a test. Kinlaw, we got Armstead. Climbing up to Warner on the second level, even with the linebackers they have, uh, they just they just need to have an A game. The interior offensive line needs to have their A game. Yeah, I think the three tight end set is certainly going to be a factor to watch in this game. Now, I don't know that we're going to see some of the diamond sets that we saw where they had three backs and sometimes it was tight ends in the backfield that we saw in week one. Maybe they'll mix some of that in out of that. They had some pistol diamond sets yep. they ran. 
And what that does, the 49ers know this as well as anybody. They ran more than 40% of their formations last year with two backs in the backfield. It does force the opponent to bring an extra defender up into the box typically. Or in the case of having three tight ends, you have to move one of your corners up and make them more active in the run game. And a lot of teams like to do that. It does create a lot of flexibility for you. And this may be an opponent that that works really well. Last year, Seahawks ran a lot of two tight end sets against the 49ers, but really three tight end sets were not a big part of it. And I think some of that has to do with Russell Wilson under center. This is a little different offense with Geno Smith running the show. And that really leans into where I'm looking at the run game heading into this game. We've mentioned the two interior guys, Armstead as well as Kinlaw, both very talented players. Kinlaw hasn't necessarily produced as I expected, but there's been injuries. It's still a very talented player that can disrupt game plans. You've got Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam as the two outside guys that both can play the run and rush the passer, obviously. So that is a talented, stout defensive line. They've got good depth, players like Kerry Hyder, former Seahawk. He can play both defensive end spots. He can reduce inside. They've got a lot of talent in that group. You have to keep that front seven on its heels. And what I mean by that, you can't go into this game thinking we're going to run mid zone and outside zone 80% of the time, and we're going to have a great deal of success. Maybe they could do it for 60%, but they are going to need to mix in some more gap schemes to go with their zone concepts, especially with the linebackers, Fred Warner. You want to try to keep him on his heels. Very difficult to do against one of the best inside linebackers in football, but Mix and match your looks, where you're sending your pullers, get your rookie tackles who are both really good athletes out in space some, and then try to mix and match your inside zone concepts with maybe some traps, some dives, run some power. You'd like to see the full palette for this game in the run game, especially if the weather plays a factor. Again, it looks like there's going to be rain on Sunday in Santa Clara. That would play into the run game's hands. Seattle's going to have to be able to mix and match stuff. They did have some success last year with some inside zone running with Alex Collins when they won in Santa Clara. Second half, he had some big runs. So you can you can get the job done against this team, but it yeah. takes patience, and you've got to be able to stick with that ground game and make sure that you have not a one-dimensional attack with your run palette, but mix in those gap schemes as well as zone. I think that leads into talking about the passing game a little bit here, especially with those multi-tight end sets. Maybe what the – main goal coming out of that is for Geno Smith in the passing game. Definitely. The main goal got to be when you're pulling down that one safety and forcing single high safety looks, it has to be to threaten the outside verticals. It has to be. You have Lockett and Metcalf. If they're playing single high, that's advantage Seahawks if you have natural one-on-ones on the outside. Geno has to be able to take advantage of that. If they're able to get their run game going with those multi-tight end sets, you look at the history, Emmanuel Mosley on the outside for the 49ers. DK Metcalf has had some of his best games going up against Emmanuel Mosley in 2020, had seven catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns against him. Now they do have Charvarius Ward, who they signed from the Chiefs in free agency. He's only played the Seahawks once, and I believe that was his rookie season back in 2018. Metcalf was still at Ole Miss at that point, but Tyler Lockett was starring for the Seahawks, and Lockett had a decent game going against Charvarius Ward. The matchups on the outside, they have quality corners, but this does not feel like it was last week where you have Patrick Sertan the second, who I think is one of the best corners in the league already in year number two. Ronald Darby's a solid veteran, really good safeties. So that was a matchup where it's understandable why Seattle said, we're going to pick on the linebackers. We're going to get our tight ends involved. 
This is a different defense, different personnel. It feels like those shot plays should be there, but you got to have the time to throw in the pocket. And that leads to my other game planning subject here. Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, you have got to give those two help, especially whoever's got Nick Bosa across from them. Nick Bosa is one of those edge rushers that is an absolute game wrecker. By himself can single-handedly destroy game plans. You cannot put Charles Cross or Abe Lucas. They're both going to face him. He plays on both sides. You cannot put them regularly on islands by themselves against a player of Nick Bosa's caliber. So whether that means you're using a tight end to chip against him or you're bringing the running back down to protect, this is a game that I don't know that we're necessarily going to see as much of the running back flying out of the backfield, catching passes as we did against the Broncos on Monday night, at least running the routes. You're going to have to keep that extra protection in for Geno Smith to give him a chance to get the ball to his receivers. You're going to have to have a much better game from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to win this matchup. They both have had success against the 49ers in the past. So get the football to them, but you got to give Geno Smith time. That might be the biggest key here. Just limit the opportunities for Nick Bosa, particularly to have one-on-ones against Charles Cross or Abe Lucas. Both those guys showed that they can block against quality pass rushers last week, but they had their struggles too, especially Chubb getting two sacks against Cross in the second half. Nick Bosa is a different animal rushing off the edge, so you better have some help, some support for him in pass protection in this one. Most definitely. I think this is where definitely Travis Homer is going to have to come up big. As Pete always says, you want to stay on schedule first and second down for short third downs. Don't let the pass rushers tee off. The problem is that's ideal, but that's not always going to happen. There's going to end up being some third and longs. And a big thing I think is going to be Travis Homer. He's going to be a factor pass protecting. He's already really well. He's really good at pass protecting already. So I think he might actually play a little bit more this week just because of that. If they're going to need the running back to be an outlet, then he is clearly their best pass protector. He did miss a blitz pickup last week, and that was ironically the play that Geno Smith dumped it off to Will Disley, the first drive for a 38-yard touchdown. We saw the pocket presence from Geno Smith. He's going to have to have eyes in the back of his head because the 49ers are going to be coming after him some. But absolutely, Travis Homer is a player that – I think is going to be very important this week. Rashad Penny, when you're in pass protection, you better bring your hard hat. DJ Dallas, if you play. Ken Walker the third. that was the biggest knock on him in college. Your first game in the NFL, hey, congrats, you get to play the 49ers. You better bring it or else you're not going to be on the field. They need running backs that can protect and keep their quarterback upright this week, help out those tackles. Now let's flip the script over when the Seahawks are on defense. And Dallas, this is a 49ers offense that's breaking in a new quarterback. Trey Lance is in year number two, but he's basically a rookie. Did not get a lot of snaps last year. He did play an entire half against the Seahawks when they played in week four and had some success. He threw a long touchdown. He gave him some fits running the football. And so let's look at what the Seahawks have to do against this 49ers offense. You and I were talking before the show, and this has been a talking point all week. If there was a struggle for Seattle on defense, I know they gave up 340 passing yards to Russell Wilson on Monday night, but they made some really good plays in the passing game. And they had two interceptions they dropped. There were some missed opportunities. The run game, on the other hand, particularly off the edge, as Pete Carroll noted, this defense had so much trouble. I don't even think this is necessarily a scheme thing. This is just cleaning up your run fits and gap integrity because if you don't do that, 
the mad scientist that is Kyle Shanahan. He could take the ice cream truck driver driving by Levi Stadium on Sunday and put him in the backfield and make him a thousand yard rusher in this scheme. You have to be disciplined or the 49ers are going to work you in the run game. Absolutely. Kyle Shanahan is going to run the ball, especially with the bad weather. He wants to run the ball. And if you're the Seahawks defense, that first game run defense, run fit wise, absolutely unacceptable. That cannot happen against the 49ers or it's going to be a long game. It's going to be an absolutely long game. And Shanahan is going to toy with the defense if the run fits are like that. The big thing I think will be, I think we're going to see a lot more bare fronts this game. The, the Seahawks should use a lot more bare fronts against the 49ers because of the 49ers traditionally using use chick and their other running backs, always keeping bigger bodies, bigger personnel in. So that will allow for more base personnel. So better run stop personnel on the field for the Seahawks. But when the Seahawks are in nickel in their four down fronts, they are going to need to be able to run stop out of that to have a chance. It really boils down to the edge because I felt like on Monday night, the interior guys for the most part held up. A lot of the big runs were off tackle and they were to Daryl Taylor's side. And again, I'm not picking on one guy. But there were several plays where he ended up in the same gap with a linebacker, one of the inside guys, and there were a few times that he just literally got drove off the ball. That can't happen this week. He's going to have to play with more discipline, and and that's difficult because you want to take advantage of his pass rushing ability. You want to get him upfield and chasing after Trey Lance. Those opportunities are going to be there, but it can't be at the expense of your principles, your execution assignment-wise, run defense. You've got to be able to play your gaps. You've got to maintain your run fits. And that was a problem off the edge. I think they're going to be fine in that regard because Pete Carroll's prioritized that this week. He's talked about it in press conferences. Like They know that that was an issue that has to be fixed going into this game against a team. 49ers are very physical. We mentioned the three tight end sets for the Seahawks in this game. The 49ers, I believe it was 42% of their plays last year had two backs in the backfield, whether it was 21 or 22 personnel. They love having Kyle Juszczyk back there. They'll sprinkle in tight ends in the backfield. And again, it's about trying to bring down that extra defender, creating extra gaps. They run a ton of pre-snap motion. It puts a lot of pressure on the off-ball linebackers and the ability for them to flow. And so everything is going to have to be on point when it comes to the run fits. I think that is first and foremost the number one key in this game. You also have to figure out how can you rattle Trey Lance. And there's a few things that I think the Seahawks can do in this game to help. You've got to be cautious when you're playing a mobile quarterback. We should know this, Dallas. Russell Wilson yep. all these years playing quarterback from the Seahawks. Yep. Blitzing is something that is kind of a blitz of your own peril. Russell Wilson was typically pretty good against blitz. Trey Lance has struggled, though. Last year, 47% against the blitz. Under duress, his completion percentage was under 42%, no touchdown passes. And so this is a quarterback, a young QB, you expect it with minimal inexperience or minimal experience. You would expect that he's going to struggle against pressure, and that has been the case. And Lance, last week, it was the same thing. Not able to get anything done when he had pressure on him. The Seahawks have to balance picking the right time to send an extra rusher and mixing in some sim pressures, some uh, fire zones, for example, where it might look like they're blitzing. They're sending somebody from the secondary, maybe Josh Jones, Ryan Neal and sub packages. You can send Barton. He had a sack against Russell Wilson last week. Heck, Jordan Brooks is a really good blitzer. Sprinkle a few of those in while dropping back one of your outside linebackers, or I know fans don't like hearing this, but dropping back a defensive tackle, those type of things where you're still only sending three or four, 
but you're sending him from different places, really put the young quarterback on his heels. I think if you can find a way to mix and match when you're selectively sending extra pressure and how you're disguising what might look like extra pressure really could be the difference. And it could force the young quarterback in uncorking a few throws to a secondary that I believe is going to be looking to get some interceptions this week after missing out on a few opportunities against Denver. Lance is going, Lance is going to have to be better against the blitz for the 49ers. And as a Seahawk, the Seahawks are going to blitz, excuse my language, blitz the hell out of him. Because like you said, if you're not, if you're completing about 40% of your passes against the blitz, that's a big net negative. So for the 49ers, they're going to have the definitely, they're going to definitely like protect Trey Lance. And with the extra pressure that you said, like the secondary sending, that's definitely going to cause trouble. He's going to throw into a window that he thinks is there. And it really isn't. Maybe Nuosu is dropping back. Like you, you said, maybe Taylor's dropping back. Heck, maybe even Ford's dropping back or Woods. It could all just be something like that. The windows are going to have to be closed from Lance. Yeah, that's going to be the key. Can you put the disguise in effect that's going to fool this young quarterback? Because I think if you just blitz, 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 you're going to get burned, especially when you get playmakers like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel on the outside. The 49ers have weapons. If George Kittle is playing in this game, yeah, you're not going to be able to send five, six players after this quarterback often. But you're going to have to, again, find a way to mix and match because a young quarterback, you can't let him sit back there. You can't let him have tons of time back in the pocket and then be able to pick you apart. So they're going to have to find unique ways to get after him. I think mixing in some line stunts, we didn't see a lot of that against Russell Wilson. You've got to be cautious against mobile quarterbacks because if you get too far upfield, they can take off and run. So again, it's a balancing act for the Seahawks, but I think that's absolutely going to be crucial for them. And I'm really interested to see what the Seahawks do from a spy perspective. Because last week we saw several different times Jamal Adams early in the game. Unfortunately, the, the play that he got injured on blitzing, that was unfortunate. But there were a few plays where we saw that he was playing that spiral as a linebacker against Russell Wilson, monitoring where he's going. And you have to do that when you're playing mobile quarterbacks that can take off any given time. So again, it goes back to the disguise aspect. You can't just have one guy playing that role. You could have Josh Jones doing it in sub packages, nickel and dime. Maybe Ryan Neal is going to be that guy. You could have Cody Barton or Jordan Brooks, your slot corner. I mean, there are some really creative things you can do. I think the Seahawks have to try to find ways to just make things that are simple look like they're complicated for the young quarterback. And mixing and matching your spy assignments, mixing and matching your fire zones versus actual blitzes and some of those other sim packages, if they are able to do that, then it really gives them a great chance to fluster this young quarterback. But you're going to have to do that while also – defending the run and that really is the bottom line here it's a pretty simple game plan but if you're not tackling and you're not maintaining your gap integrity this 49ers offense I don't care if Elijah Mitchell is out their best running back they've still got some running backs that can do damage they can put Debo Samuel back there he had over 50 rushing yards last week they have weapons they have Kyle Shanahan calling the plays you have to be on point discipline wise and you got to be aggressive on defense well, not necessarily being blitz heavy. You got to find ways to be able to create that pressure on a young quarterback that has not shown to this point that he can handle it. Up next, we're going to get to our X factors. 
keys to victory, and of course, our final prediction as we wrap up our preview here. Seahawks 49ers coming up on Sunday Night Football. We're going to wrap everything up when we return here in a moment. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including week two of action in the NFL and college ranks. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, whether it's live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, special Saturday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping up our coverage here, we got a big game coming up tomorrow in Santa Clara, the Seahawks' first road game, their NFC West opener against the 49ers. Let's get to our X factors, the players or position groups that maybe people aren't talking about going into this game that are going to have a strong bearing on whether or not the Seahawks exit with a victory. Dallas, I'm going to flip it to you. And we were talking a lot about the offensive line and protecting Geno Smith. There's been so much discussion about who's going to be able to handle Nick Bosa and Samson Ebicam. Who is your X factor to watch going into this matchup? Definitely someone that is the X factor to me that I don't think he's getting talked about nearly enough by national media is Austin Blythe. Austin Blythe is going to have to have a great game. He's the X factor for sure, especially in the run game. The Broncos game, he struggled in the run game, had a great week pass protection wise. He had a 100% pass block win rate in week one, but the run game was a struggle in week one. Against this 49er front and with the game, how we think it's going to go, Austin Blythe is going to be key for controlling the line of scrimmage, even for calling protections on making sure Bosa's accounted for and all the other blitzers, potential blitzers, Blythe is going to have to have a key game to protect Geno and free up the run game for the Seahawks to have some success on offense. I think that's a great pick for the X Factor that maybe nobody's talking about because we mentioned Kinlaw and Armstead. They're going to send Fred Warner on blitzes occasionally. He is going to have to continue playing well in pass protection. He was their best pass protector in terms of efficiency on Monday night. Didn't give up a single pressure. Run game really was a struggle. Got blew up on that failed fourth down quarterback sneak. I don't know that that's why they didn't get it. Geno Smith looked like he slipped, but Blythe got blown up on that play. He had a tough time moving bodies in the line of scrimmage. They're going to need a better performance from him in the run game. Not looking for him to be an enforcer because that's not his game. But he's going to have to do a better job of sealing off defenders and, and not getting bullied at the point of attack. So he is absolutely an X factor. I'm going to the defensive side of the football because – I just have a feeling George Kittle is going to at least try to play in this game. I don't know how many snaps that they're going to put him out there coming off the groin injury, but the 49ers know how much of a problem he has been for the Seahawks in the past. They know Jamal Adams is not going to be on the field in this game, and instead Josh Jones is going to be the starting strong safety. Now, Josh Jones, you can make an argument based on the way he played in training camp in the preseason that 
maybe he's better suited for some of those deep safety looks than what Jamal Adams was. But he is not going to necessarily be that factor in the box that Adams was. Adams is the best box safety in the NFL in terms of pass rushing, coming up and smacking people when he's healthy. Josh Jones has the size to do that, but that's not necessarily been his bread and butter. He is more of a natural safety that can make plays in coverage. He had a couple interceptions against Geno Smith in training camp. That's what earned him a roster spot, pushed Marquise Blair out of town now on the practice squad for the Panthers. Jones has done everything the Seahawks have asked him to do since he came late last year as a practice squad signee. But this is a tough matchup. If he's got to deal with George Kittle, I'm expecting he's going to get a lot of reps against him in coverage. They're going to need him to be involved in the run game. He missed three tackles last week. I thought he made some nice plays against the Denver Broncos, but you can't leave three tackles on the field against this 49ers offense that loves to get their run game going. And so he, to me, is the critical piece on defense. You're filling in for an all-pro and Jamal Adams. You're going to be doing that the rest of the season. You need to step your game up to another level to really help this defense maintain its level of play from a pretty impressive first game against the Broncos. You're facing a much different type of offense, though, this week. He's going to have to play a physical brand of football in coverage against George Kittle and also defending the run, handling his run fits, you name it. It's going to be a big game coming up for him. In terms of keys, we've talked to individual players. Dallas, for the Seahawks to improve to 2-0 this weekend, what do you think has to happen? Limit the 49ers defense they under three sacks and eight pressures. Keep Geno clean. He needs to be clean. We need Geno to be clean. If the front if the front can't protect against the vaunted 49ers front four, then it's gonna be a long night. Crossing it's gonna be a long afternoon if they're able to get after us. There's no question about it. (laughs) It's gonna be a long afternoon. Cross and Lucas are going to, like, they're going to have to play well. Everyone on the offensive line is going to have to play well just to give Geno a chance, or the run game especially, a chance to go off. I don't think that they're necessarily going to drop back and throw a lot in this game, especially if there's rain in the forecast, but you're going to have to make some plays downfield. I mentioned Metcalf and Lockett. You're going to have to get the ball to them. To make that happen, though, the pass protection's got to be there. I agree with you. If they're able to keep the numbers at three and eight there and there's not a bunch of turnovers off of those opportunities, then Seattle is going to be able to sustain some drives. They're going to be able to hit on some plays downfield, and that gives them a chance to win the game, get their run game going, get the number of carries they want. For me, I think you've got to hold the 49ers under 100 rushing yards, and maybe the more important thing to me, Time of possession only means so much in the scheme of things because there are teams out there that can score points very quickly. We've seen the Seahawks do that in the past when Russell Wilson was quarterback. But in this particular game, if you can keep the 49ers under 27 minutes of possession, meaning you have the football for more than half the game, you aren't allowing them to sustain a bunch of lengthy drives with a run game and wear you down, I like Seattle's chances of winning this game because then that means – They had the football for 33 minutes. They're getting more opportunities to feed the ball to Rashad Penny, Ken Walker III, their other running back, and they're wearing down the 49ers. This is going to be a battle of attrition, especially with the quarterback situation. Trey Lance still has a long way to go. Geno Smith proved last week that he can play winning football under center, but he's not a top 10, top 15 quarterback either. So the run games are going to be critical, especially with rain in the forecast. So for me, If you can limit the 49ers under 100 yards on the ground and you can limit their time of possession 
get some quick stops mixed in there to help with that figure, it gives you a much better chance to have this game lean in your favor and you dish out the punishment, wear down the opponent. Last but not least, we've got our X-Factors, we've got our keys to victory, what the Seahawks have to do to win this game. But are they going to get the job done, Dallas? Are they going to go to Santa Clara for a second straight year and win on the road against the 49ers? Or is it going to be the first defeat of the season for Seattle playing in their NFC West opener? They're going into Santa Clara and coming out of there with a victory. 17-14 to 14 Seattle. That is my expectation. I'm going to be in the same vibe with you. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game again. Some of it being the weather, some of it just the teams. Again, these are not two teams that are built to score a ton of points. The 49ers have weapons on the outside. The Seahawks obviously have weapons on the outside. But the quarterback situation is going to put a cap on what these two teams can do from a scoring perspective. And playing in the game where there's going to be very physical run games on both sides, both defenses play physically. I just don't see a lot of points being put on the board. We'll see what the forecast ends up being for this game. Right now they're saying rain. Who knows how much that's going to impact. I'm not anticipating a monsoon like we saw in Chicago. But I think the Seahawks are going to hold on for a 20-13 to 13 win. I'm thinking about the same score as you, maybe a little bit more points, but I'm expecting quite a few field goals. I think there's going to be a lot of punts in this game. We didn't see that on Monday night. I think both teams are going to have their drives. They really struggle to get anything going. And I think the Seahawks are going to be able to make just enough stops on defense, limit the run game for the 49ers enough that they are going to be able to hold on for a seven-point win and improve to 2-0 in the NFC West, something that many people would not have been predicting before the season started. But Seattle would be in sole possession of first place in the division if they can do that. Last week, both of our hosts picked Seattle to lose, and they ended up winning. So hopefully we don't have the jinx going on here in week two with Dallas and I both picking the Seahawks to win this game. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper, check out Locked on Seahawks, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up after tomorrow's game, as usual, I will have our postcast. I'll be dishing out some game balls and looking at players of the game and much more. Make sure to join in. That'll be probably an hour and a half after the final whistle in Santa Clara. Seahawks 49ers, big game coming up. Everybody enjoy the game. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.